Hey, we've been walking through the book of Colossians. If you're new to the Bible, Colossians is just a book or a letter uh, in the Bible. And, and, and one of the objectives that I've uh, been, reasons I'm going through that book is so uh, I want to show you in four chapters how you can pull stuff out of the Bible. And so we've been doing that for the last two times uh, I've been speaking. And this is the third time I'm touching on that today. How do we pull stuff? People say, Pastor, I don't know how to pull stuff out of the Bible. Let me, let me help you. And so this is part three of my self-titled message, message. Study the Bible. Haven't got a clue. Tell me, preacher, what to do. So that's what I want to do. I want to tell you how to do that and help us learn. So the Bible is one of those books that is revered, but not often read, we've said. And if the Bible is to get into us as believers, if you're here today and you're following Christ, if the Bible is to get into us, we need to get into the Bible. Can I hear an amen right there? And so, again, if you're new to church today and you're visiting, I hope today you'll get some understanding of how Christians think or what processes they use as they dig into the Word of God. It's very important. If the Bible is to get into us, we need to get into the Bible. A.T. Pearson, speaking of the Bible, said, he said, while all other books inform and some books reform, this book, the Bible transforms. And it's true. This is a book that has changed nations. Nations have been built uh, upon the foundations and the commands and instructions uh, of this book. So it's a powerful, powerful book. But not only has it changed nations, it's also changed lives. Anybody's lives here, it's changed. Give me hands. I mean, this, this book changes. Like when, when I encountered this book, and not just the book, the author of the book. Many people know the book, but they don't know the author. It's very important that we meet the author of the book. When I encountered the, the words of this book, the words of my master, Jesus, it changed me. As a drug addict, messed up, stuffed up, God just touched my heart and turned my whole life around. But not only that, there are business people here today who, who just knew something was missing. There are successful, we've got in this church scientists, police officers, all from all different types of uh, backgrounds and professions, army officers, different ones who have found that God has touched their lives when they've opened, uh, they've opened this book because it's just, it, it has a way of doing it. And this is not, we don't want to just do head knowledge information. We want this to be heart knowledge transformation. We want God to transform uh, uh, our lives. And so we've got to understand this is a very, very powerful powerful book. So it, it transforms us. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, he said this. Evangelist is someone who just preaches the gospel. He, he said this, the scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. Let the word of God change your life today. No matter where it finds you, no matter where it, 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 it gets you, uh, let the word of God change your life today. And some might say, well, pastor, I don't know if I need the word of God. I just got the spirit of God. I'm just going to flow by the spirit. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to flow it and let it go. But, but here's what the great Bible teacher, J.I. Parker, said. He said this, The Spirit is not given to make Bible study needless, but to make it effective. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Study to show yourself. Everybody say yourself. Don't you worry about anybody else. Don't you worry about what that one's doing or what that one's doing. But you, you study to show yourself. Everybody say yourself. Come on, say it like, like a black man now. Come on, yourself. Come on, study to show yourself. Approved. Uh, as a, uh, as a, oh, I better get it right. Approved unto God, a workman or workwoman, because we're equal opportunities, that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So I'm giving you some tools so you can be a BSN. What's a BSN? BSN is a Bible study ninja. That's right. Bible study. I want you to be a Bible study ninja. I want you to be able to chop that thing rightly divided and, and, and really 
bring it out. So if we, we did some skills for beginners. If you're just beginning, here's how you can pull stuff out of the Bible. Three skills, observation, interpretation, and application. And so last time I spoke on that, you can watch it uh, on the internet. If I know you're all dying too. So it's just as you can go back and see that. But observation answers the question, what does the passage say? So uh, one and two parts, the first two parts, that's what we focused on. We, I gave some steps to help us. Step one, pray and study away. Pray and study away. So, so, okay, some of you haven't got that. Okay, it's old. Uh, but but the, the, the thing is, we need to understand this is not like a Tom Clancy novel. Ooh, a, no, no, pray. This is a book. The, the scriptures are alive. The word of God is alive. And so it's always important to pray before you read it. Step two, you always got to look at who, what, when, where, why, and how. When you're looking at a p- passage, always Ask those questions. Step three, mark keywords and phrases. Find, don't just read stuff. When you see something that touches your heart, mark it. List, it. list it down. Look for lists, not lists, but lists. There'll be lists in the Bible, like the love list. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't end. Love does not They read it out every marriage. That's a love list. Everybody look for the love list. Everybody say love list. Oh, come on, you can feel it now. I can feel it. Lovely. You've got to look for lists in the Bible. Step five, watch for and mark contrasts and comparisons. So we've also, uh, so, so contrast and comparison like light, darkness. The devil roams around like a roaring lion. It's compared to a contrast and comparison. We've also touched on word studies, character studies, uh, topical studies, and those type of things. And like I say, you can um, look at that on the internet. So if observation is discover what a passage says, interpretation, which is what we're going to look at today, interpretation is discover what a passage means. And so if you're new to church, today you might be thinking, well, what, what do you mean? How do they interpret the Bible? Have you ever seen, and we, we can think it's weird too, you, you see these weird cults or weird stuff out there or something comes on the news about some weird Christians somewhere or, uh, you know, often they show those Baptists, the Westboro Baptists, we hate this and we hate everything and we hate, 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 and the, and the news loves to show that type of stuff. But, but you ever wondered, how do those people get like that? How do people get that, that stuff? How do they end up weird? And if you're wondering that and you're new to the Bible, we wonder that too. How do they get weird? Uh, friend, I, they, 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 they get weird because they don't interpret the Scriptures correctly. It's just that they've got uh, sidetracked on a passage. And so it's so important that we, when we're coming to the Word of God, that we understand it and we know how to interpret it uh, correctly. So that's what we're talking about. So when interpreting a passage, always remember, here it is, number one, are you ready? About one of you, thank you, Anita. Thank you. That was my wife. She says, I'm ready, darling. Nobody else is. I said, are you ready? Come on, I need feedback. It's scary here. Number one, context rules. When you want to interpret a pa- passage, always remember context rules. The word context means that which goes with the text. So when reading a Bible verse or a passage, always consider the verse in the light of the surrounding verses, what's written around it, the book in which it's found. I mean, is it a poetic book? book? Is it like the Psalms? Is it, is it the Psalms? So it's about got a lot of poetry in there. Is it a prophetic book like the book of Revelation? Always consider the book in which it's found and the entire Word of God. Understand, that's why it's important for us not just to know our favorite verses, but to have an overview of all that God is saying to, to, to us as a, as a message. Because we've got to remember, this is His instruction book. This is an instruction book. You buy, you buy a, a, a blender, you don't want an instruction book about a TV. You buy, you buy a car, you don't want an instruction book about a blender. 
Friend, you want to instruct a book from the car company, the one who built it. The Bible says that he formed us together in our mother's womb. We've got to understand that he knit us together. And if we want to know how to do life, his word instructs us. And we've got to understand when God says don't do something or do something or whatever it is, you understand he's not saying it because he wants to punish you. <laughs> You're like little ants and I'm a big giant. No, no, if you, if you think like that, you're not understanding the Father heart of God. You're not understanding who God is, who this Bible He's God our Father, the art in heaven. His heart is for us. He's not against us. He is for us. And so when we, under, when we, when we understand that we can get a right perspective of God, and for that we need to get an a, a understanding of the whole, uh, uh, if you like, counsel of God. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So you need to consider the entirety of the Word of God. Don't just pick a verse out. Because sometimes it might mess you up. My friend, Steve Cochran, he, and he was getting married. You ever done a Bible flick, you know, where you flick open the Bible? Oh, Lord, speak to me. Oh, Lord, and you flick it open. and you, Oh, yeah, that says, that says what I Oh, no, that doesn't say what I want. I'll flick it open again five times. And, and we, we, we've all done that. And he did that. He wanted to marry this girl named Elizabeth. So he flicked it open and it said, Thou shalt marry thou fair maiden or something like that. I don't know what the exact verse was. I wasn't going to ask him. He lives in America. But I know he flicked it open. I was like, thou shalt marry thou fair, fair maiden. He's like, amen, hallelujah. He closed the Bible right there. Closed the Bible. He got married. After he was married, he went and opened it and read that scripture again. It says, thou shalt marry thou fair maiden, and the wrath of God shall come upon you, and you shall be, you know, damned. Or, I mean, or, or whatever it was, I don't know. But it was just like, oh, I need to read that again. They're still together. Thank you, Jesus. They're still together. But again, we've got to be careful about just pulling one bit out of the Bible. You, you, you have to get context. Because if you don't, you'll get into trouble. For instance, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 9, verse 47. And if your eye causes you to stumble, this is what Jesus said, pluck it out. Awkward. That would be messy. Pluck it out. Now, I would have thought if you pluck your eyes out, that would cause you to stumble. You wouldn't be able to see uh, where, you're, where you're going. But again, if you take it out of context, what Jesus is saying here. Pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have, you'll be like a pirate, Hi, here we are. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Ay, 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 ay. Ay, Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, no, no. So the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Was Jesus really meaning pull out your eye? Was he really meaning pluck out your eye? And it goes on to say, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Was he really saying cut off, cut off your hand? Was that what he was, he was meaning? If you read it just on face value, it's kind of sort of uh, saying that. In fact, in Matthew, it, it says the same passage again is repeated, but this time it says, if your right eye, if your right eye causes you uh, to sin, pluck it out, pluck it out, and uh, uh, cut off your right hand. And then, of course, you could go, well, then does that mean I can look at the girls with my left eye? Or which one is that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all right. My right eye's covered. That's all right. Is that what Jesus is saying? Probably she's a good place to say, no, Pastor, no, he's not. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> That's not what he's saying at all, you nutcase. Come on, he, he wouldn't be saying that. So, so, so you've got to understand what Jesus is saying here is get radical about sin. Get radical about sin. Get self-discipline. Watch yourself. And not only that, in Jewish culture, in Jewish culture, well, they, they used to say, oh, only if you do it, man. If you do it, do it, do it, then, then, then you're in trouble. But you can think about it. Jesus took it to a whole nother level. He said, look, it's not only if you do it. If you think about it, man, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Your eyes are giving you trouble. Be self-disciplined. So you get radical about, get, get radical about sin. Turn to the person next to you, tap them and say, I think he's talking to you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. Oh, hallelujah. 
See, when people ask me, we're going, so we're going to be so careful. We're going to be so careful when we're, we're considering the Word of God. When people ask me, Pastor, do you take the Word of God literally? Do you take it literally? I mean, is, is it, is it, do you take it? And my answer is always this, yes and no. Yes and no. What do I mean? Well, simply this. When Jesus says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Do I take that literally? Did he mean he's a loaf of bread? I'm a loafer. Uh, I mean, uh, did, did he mean that? I made that one up myself. Uh, just there, just there, just like that bright idea. Yeah. Did he mean he's a loaf of bread made with flour and yeast and baked at 150 for two hours? I don't know. Because if he did, that would make him bananas. And that's kind of fruity, isn't it? He's lost his marbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Uh, thank you for your tolerance over this side. Uh, then, mm, mm, mm. But, but, but we, we know when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, we know he was not saying I'm a loaf of bread. So it'd be kind of naive. Like he's not saying he's a loaf of bread. We, we understand that he is saying it metaphorically. He's saying he provides sustenance to our spiritual life just as bread does to our physical life. So I'm not taking that literally, that he's literally saying, I am a loaf of bread. And so I take it literally, yes and no. I'm just taking it at face value. What is he trying to say? So that's number one, context. Context always rules. Number two, another rule for interpreting the word of God, always seek the full counsel of God. Always seek the full counsel of God. And that's just a fancy way of saying, basically, does this fit into the general pattern of Scripture? When I'm reading something out, if I'm reading a Scripture, I'm getting an idea or, uh, on something that's being said. Does this fit into the general pattern of Scripture? It's important to do that because you can find a verse in the Bible to justify anything. You literally can. You can hunt out a verse to support any idea. You want to find ones about slavery. You want to find stuff about incest. You want to find stuff about whatever you want. to. You can find stuff in here that will support your thing. And if you don't interpret it properly, it can sound like the Bible's saying, yeah, okay. No, no, you've got to, you've got to understand the full counsel of God. You can't just pick out some obscure verse and go, well, it says this. The Bible says it. No, you have to understand the whole counsel of God. And that's why so many people get messed up when they, well, the Bible says this. And I watch Richard Dawkins sometimes, and I, oh, I've got a lot to say about him. But, that, but, but, he, but he, he'll read stuff, and he'll pick a verse out and saying, oh, God's doing this, and God's doing that. And we've got to, we're, we're going to understand. Uh, we're going to understand, no, the whole counsel of God, that is not what it's doing. You don't know how to interpret the scriptures, it's very important that we get our heads around these things. So as I said, you can find a verse to support anything. And I want to say this to you. Never base your convictions on some random verse. Yeah, that's right. You find some verse that uh, uh, helps you. Uh, you've already formed some idea and something, and so you use it. No, 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 don't do that. Don't form a conviction or an ideology on one random verse in, in scripture. That's how people get messed up. And, and, and like I say, you can find a verse to, to, to mean anything in Scripture. You can find it to me, uh, you know, if you're, you're, you're out there and you're a nice little Christian girl and you're, 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 you're going out and then you meet this, this, this guy. He's like, hey, what's up? What's up, sugar? What's up, lovely? Mm, you're looking fine. And she's going, oh, no, oh, I'm in trouble. And, um, oh, he's, he looks good. Oh, yeah. She says, oh, no, I can't do that, can't do that, can't He's like, honey, I love my Bible, Genesis 2.18. It says this is not good that man should be alone. I'm alone, and I'm a man. And the Bible says that God will provide a suitable helper 
I need help. And you're looking like you can help me, honey. Come on, come on. <laughs> I'm, I think you can help me, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just like, I'll give him one slap and sort him out. Silly fellow. She's probably saying, stupid girl. <laughs> Get out of there, you nut. You can find a Bible verse to justify anything that you want in there. You, you can say, hey, come on, let's hit the club, homie. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Come on. Party, party. How many have met that person? How many? Just, I mean, come on. How many are that person? That's the, the, the. Oh, Lord Jesus. You can find a verse to, to, to support anything. You've always got to read that which surrounds, get the full counsel of God. I, I, I looked up that verse, and, and, and basically here's what it says after that. It says this, uh, uh, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And then it says this, do not be misled. <laughs> Listen, bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses, nutcase. It doesn't say that. That's my interpretation of the Greek. Come back to your senses, nutcase, as you ought, and stop sitting, for there are some who are ignorant of God. And what's that saying? When I read that passage, what's it saying? Don't, don't just go and say, oh, we'll eat, drink, tomorrow uh, we die. Uh, You've got to understand, bad character corrupts good, good people. So what's it saying? It's saying this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me who you hang out with. And some of us, we've got to break relationship with sometimes people who are going to bring us down. There'll be people here and you're hanging out with people and all they do is bring you down. All they do is talk negative all the time. All they do is smack you around, uh, smack you around. When you're with them, they just pull you down. Who are those people? The Bible says those, those people just corrupt you. When you get something corrupted on your computer, what does that mean? It just doesn't work anymore like it should. Friends, you, you hang out with the wrong people. It's going to mess your life up and not make it work like it should. Good preaching, Adam. Thank you very much. We've got to understand the context of what it's saying and grab it and understand it and get the whole counsel of God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, because if you don't, you'll get confused. Jesus said this, if anyone comes after me and does not hate, everybody say hate. Oh, that's kind of strong. Hate his father or mother, wife and children. Oh, that's a bit radical. Brothers and sisters, I've got to hate everybody. Uh, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Oh, hate, hate, hate. That's pretty strong. Oh, oh, oh gee, I've got to go and tell my wife I hate her. I've got to go and tell my kids I hate them, you know. Oh, that's what Jesus said today, man. He said, I've got the scripture right here uh, uh, to prove it. Prove it right now. Now, now the Greek word there is missio. Everybody say missio. Missio, missio, missio. And it basically means this. So that's why you've got to go dig in a little bit deeper and find out what does that word actually mean? What does it mean? We're asking those questions. Who, what, why, when, where, how, and all those type of things. So missio means to love less. Jesus isn't saying you've got to hate. He's saying you just love less. I want to be number one in your life. I want, I, I want to be number one. He wants to be number one. Because I, I know if I went home and I said, honey, uh, Jesus is saying, I've got to hate you. She's going to say, you're going to miss your head. You say that one more time to me. That's what she's going to do. She's going to, you're going to miss your head. If I say that one more time, amen, darling. Yes, yes, yes. She's like, yeah, you better watch it. Somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. Jesus said, and here's the thing. We're going to understand this. Jesus said he, we're to love God and to love one another. So Jesus said that at the same time. So again, you get the full counsel of God. You can understand, oh, Jesus, he can't be meaning that. 
You can't be mean that. We've got to understand the, uh, what, what it's meaning when we interpret things. The fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother. So it can't be, mean that we just hate mom and dad. Can't be. Honor your father and mother. It's a command. Colossians 3 verse 19, which we've been going through, says this. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. We've got, we're, we're commanded to love our wives. Children, obey your parents. We're called to obey our parents in all things, for this is well and pleasing to the God. Scripture itself tells us. So that can't be what it's meaning. So you always got to know. You always got to take that balance and get the whole counsel of God. So we must, when trying to interpret the meaning of a passage or a verse, consider the full counsel of God. And that leads me to number three, an important rule of interpretation. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Scripture will never contradict itself. The best interpreter of Scripture is the Scripture itself. God ain't never going to tell you to do something He has already said don't do in His Word. You don't even have to pray. Oh, just let me pray about it. No, it's already, if he says that, it's already clear. You don't have to pray about it 10 times. It's already clear. It's in there. In Genesis chapter 2, 18, when that boy comes and says to you, oh, it's not good that man should be alone and I'm alone. You can say, honey, if you like it, you would better put a ring on it. Oh, 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 oh. You just say, get your hands off me. Because Colossians 3.5 says, put to death, therefore, buddy, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, that sexual immorality, calm yourself down. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> See, if you don't know the word, even the devil can deceive you by using the very word of God itself. If you don't know, that's why it's so important for you to know the word of God. You say, oh, how can the devil deceive us using the Bible? Well, he, did. he tried, to, tried it with Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him uh, when Jesus was uh, uh, f- he'd fasted for 40 days. He's in the wilderness. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a, so- a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. How did Jesus know that? Because he understood the full counsel of God. He understood the balance. and the, uh, the, A lot of people, when they get messed up in this, because they're not having that balance. They're not rightly weighing up what is said in the Scripture because the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture. Why? Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture, everybody say all. All means all, everything. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking. And sometimes the, we need a rebuke. Sometimes people say, oh, Pastor, just tell me anything you want to do. And I tell them and they leave the church because they get upset with me. I don't know I'm such a nice guy. <laughs> what, what was funny about that, Neil? I am a nice guy, yeah. I, I, I am a nice guy um, I, most of the time. Most of the time. See me in my office on Tuesday. But uh, <laughs> I'm a nice guy, but the, the thing is, the, the scriptures are there to rebuke us and to challenge us and to, to judge the, 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 the affections of our heart. And we've got to be, uh, uh, understand that. So it's important. Let scripture interpret scripture. Number four, number fourth rule, interpret scripture literally. What do I mean? Literally. I don't even know if it's literally or literally, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, okay, thank you very much. Uh, the Bible is not, I want you to understand this Bible is not a book of magic. Okay? Oh, Harry Potter. No, 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 whatever. No, this is not a book of magic. Like I said, this is an instruction book for our life. This is not a book of mysticism. Okay, there are God, God speaks on prophetically and all that. You've got to understand the writing around different stuff. But this is not a book of magic. This is a book that's given for us to uh, 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 see our lives change. Back in the, I don't know, 1800s, 1700s, no one was allowed, normal people, the common man like you and I, were not allowed to read this book. 
The printing press revolutionized that and it changed the world because the priests kept it all to themselves like it was a magic book. Now, friends, this is a book for your instruction to build your life, to strengthen your life, to help you be a success, to help you be all that God has called you to be in your life, to help you attain your destiny, to help you where, if you're in business, how can I do business well? Well, learn. People say, oh man, how, how can it help me? Well, the, the Jewish people who use the, the Torah and Word of God are some of the richest people in the world today. Why? Because they follow the principles that are, but we are saved by the person of Jesus, but we've got to live by the principles that are found in this book. In this book, there is life. So you've got to interpret Scripture uh, literally. The Bible is not a book of mysticism. God spoke to us that we might know the truth. And here's the thing, the truth sets us free. If we know the truth, the truth will set us free. We've got to, one, take it at face value in its natural and normal sense. Don't try and dig in something. B, don't, don't go looking for some uh, uh, hidden meaning. Look for the clear teaching of Scripture. When you read something, don't go into the, what's the, what's the left toe on the beast with the toenail? Is it clipped or not clipped? Can we know? Is it clean? Is there, well, I mean, what, you know, what are the meanings behind the meanings of the meanings? You know? No, no, what's the actual Scripture saying? That's what actually saying. So always, always consider uh, 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 that. And by the way, I should, should remember, obviously this service by next week is Pastor Stephen Miller is here. We are changing the service times. I for, sorry, I forgot to tell you. Um, uh, last week I had told the 9.30 and then forgot. But the, the, the reason we're doing that is just to allow some more time for the Spirit of God just to do what He wants to do, not try and squash everything in when we want to do uh, an item. So we've just made that small adjustment. And um, um, obviously, you know, I appreciate your, your help with us. And that just means we'll finish a few minutes uh, uh, later, but but uh, it just allows us to just get a bit more in of the family stuff and connect, and just allows the spirit to do what we, uh, uh, you know, just yeah. Never mind. Uh, talk to me laughter. Um, so uh, always con- uh, so that's uh, look for clear teaching, not a hidden meaning, and see always consider what is being said in the light of the style that it's written. So the Bible uses all types of styles to write. It uses historical text. Like the book of Acts is a historical book that's telling you about the book of the actions of the apostles, what they did. Consider the cultural context, the, the passages that are around when it's talking historically. Then there are prophetic books. There are prophetic writings in here. The, the writings of the prophets. Revelation, where metaphors are used and things like that. Consider how those books are written when you're trying to interpret them. There's biographical books telling you, like the book of Luke, the story of Jesus, the gospel of Luke. It's a biographical book. It's telling you about the life of Jesus. Then there's the poetic books like the Psalms, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, the, these are poetic books that are, that are telling you never build doctrine or teaching or, or make decisions on your life based on poetry. Just don't do that. Don't put people, you know, they're all oh, the flowers and the butterflies and that. No, 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 don't build your life on a poetic book. Okay, you wouldn't do that. Then there's the epistles, the, letter, the letters, there are instructions in those. There's the proverbial uh, books or the uh, book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Don't necessarily build a doctrine, but they give you wisdom for life. Then there's the, the didactic books, the teaching books, such as the book of Romans that Spencer read out or Colossians that we're looking through. They give commands and instructions and teachings. Those are books we can learn from. Just understand the book that you're, you're in. There was a program on TV recently called The Secret. The Secret, if you watched it, I don't, I don't know, it was on for about three, three weeks. And I was interested in it because it was about a man in a church who has an affair with a, another woman in the church. And it's like, uh, 
as they have this affair, they're both married, and then they decide to kill. He decides he'll kill his wife, and then he'll help her kill the um, husband so they can have this affair. Okay, And they use the Scriptures to justify that. So they use the life of uh, David where he had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And so they used that scripture and said, see, even David did this and this happened and David did this and uh, Uriah and then he, they were able to marry when Uriah, he, he was dead and David was able to marry her. So let's kill, I'll kill your wife. Okay. Now you might think, oh, that's a crazy story. But here's the thing. The reason I watched it is because it's a true story. It's a true story. They actually murdered. He murdered his wife and, murdered, and they elaborately planned it and, uh, you know, they planned it all based on taking a verse randomly out of the passage of the Bible and then teaching as if it was teaching. Where did they make their mistake? Simply, simply this. What they had done was they had taken an historical event. See, the Bible's full of historical event. It's not giving it as a teaching. It's telling you what was happening at the place. It's not saying it to justify it. It's telling you this is what was happening at that time. It's not to be taken as a teaching. It's to be taken as an understanding from a high historical or biographical, uh, bi however you say that. And I was going to say biology. It was also a biology thing that they needed to sort out. Uh, that's for sure. But, 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 but friends, I, I, I want to tell you, that's where they mucked up. They took a historical and biographical context and twisted it out as if it was teaching to be followed. And they were wrong and they got busted because the Bible says thou shalt not murder. They were wrong. Never take the Bible out of its context. Understand the text and the way it's written. Is this all right? Is this helping you? So always try to understand what the author had in mind when, he, when you seek to interpret a passage of Scripture. Don't twist verse to support a meaning that is clearly not taught. So always consider what is being said in the light of its literally, literary style and its historical and cultural context. And finally, this application. That's interpretation. Here's application. Application just means discover how it works. Application answers the question, what does it mean to me personally? So point, just reading this for knowledge. What does this mean to me personally? What can I do to change my life? Every time you come here on Sunday, you should leave here going, what can I take and how can I apply it to my life? How can this make a difference in my life uh, uh, this week? How can I apply this personally? Jesus says, love your neighbor. How do I do that? How do I do that? More seriously, Jesus says, love your enemies. How do I apply that? That person who I can't stand at school, how do I apply that? That person I hate at my office, ugh, I just see them and like, I can hear them eating chips and they're gnawing, ugh, I just hate them. It's the thing, when you've got a problem with somebody, everything's a problem. The way they eat, the way they, ugh, ugh. I love it. I want to play you a video of someone who applied the teaching of loving your enemies. It's two minutes long. It's by a man called Dan who we'd met a few years ago, a friend, friend of ours who led our youth with a mission base when we lived in India. Dan was preaching the gospel in Iran. He felt God tell him, go to Iran. Oh, yeah, they love you there. He went to preach the gospel then and was arrested. They met him, got him at the airport, took his passport off him and threw him in jail. He had no idea whether he was going to live, live or die. And so in the midst of his prison cell, he's like, how do I love my enemies? Watch a bit of his story. Throughout my life, I've seen God's Nice goodness. and loud, guys. I've seen the power of love. One of the greatest times was when I was imprisoned in Iran. With two death sentences on my life in Iran a few years ago, I never knew if I'd ever get out. But one of the big challenges I had there was God challenging me to love my enemies. I 
ended up being beaten every day by one man. He was my interrogator. And it was through this process of being there with him that God challenged me to love him. God challenged me to look at him through the eyes of God. At first, this was, seemed impossible because everything was about me. But over time, God radically changed my heart. I began to bless this man and love this man. And I'll never forget the last day I saw him. I had no idea it would be the last day I'd see him. But as usual, he took me to the interrogation room. And with bloodstains on the floor, I would stand there in fear. And it was on that day that the love and power of God came over me. And I looked at him and I said, Sir, if I'm going to see you the rest of my life, let's become friends. He scoffed at me and said, Never. And then I said again, Sir, let's start by exchanging names. Let's become friends today. We had never exchanged names because that wasn't allowed. As I stuck out my hand to shake his hand, he froze. When he froze, then he started to shake. As he started to shake, he started to look around the room. As he looked around the room, all of a sudden his hand came out of his pocket and he reached it towards me and he shook my hand. When he shook my hand, all of a sudden he started to weep and tears started to flow down his face. It was then that he looked at me and he said these simple words, Dan, my name is Rizal and I would love to be your friend. And it was at that moment that I knew, knew that there was no heart too hard for Jesus. That even in my darkest hour, even with the greatest enemy right before me, the power of love was real, and it changed his heart. Come on. Hallelujah. The power of Christ's love can change your heart today. You know, Dan this week actually is, right now actually, is in a coma. He fell off a cliff and uh, is in hospital right now and basically... Um, life support, believing God. So I want to pray right now for him in Hawaii and just pray for you. He said, friends of ours through Youth with a Mission. And we do pray for Dan right now and just ask, Father God, that you bring healing to his bodies. We join with thousands around the world who are praying for him. And we do pray, Father God, for a, a resurrection power on his life and just touch, touch him right now as he lies on that hospital bed and bring healing to his body in the powerful, and mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Friend, before I close this service, I want to give people an opportunity here to respond to the gospel. Friends, in a meeting just like this 30 years ago, God changed my life. And He can change your life.